Hello everyone. I'm delighted to see us all back together. It has been a while for many, many reasons, professional, personal, but now we are back. And back means Bella Rivne. Hello. Bella, wonderful Happy to see you. Happy to be here again. Great. You look wonderful. And I love Thank the you. print. You have this kind of uh, kill him uh, dress yeah. print. I'm not your doormat. <laughs> no, no. It's, <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's Thank really you. beautiful. Thank you. Dr. Jones, Ronald Jones. Very happy to be here. And myself, my name is David Newman. And as you know, three questions, many answers. And let's get started. One. One of the topics which I would love to approach today has an international format, but a kind of a local connotation. And and it also relates quite a lot, I have to say, to an activity that we orchestrated at Magazine 3 last year. It seems years ago, but it was only in the early beginning of 2012. And it concerns Ai Weiwei. Mm. And um, today, actually, the film festival is opening in Stockholm. Mm which is celebrating two digits, some number or something like that. And uh, for the last two, three weeks, one has kind of created a focus on the film festival by inviting Ai Weiwei to sit on the jury mm. yep. for, this, for this film festival. And everyone knows that he was, he's not allowed to, to come here. He, hasn't, he wasn't allowed to come uh, after his yep. 81 days in, in, in prison. And uh, and he wasn't allowed to come to Magazine 3 and all of that. And um, my question and my concern and my thoughts about this could be a little devious. And it has to do with the crossover between an excellent and fantastic artist, the need of being in the eye of the media, the, the tools of a very honorable film festival, but nevertheless someone that is kind of competing with commercial reality, which means, and that reality includes HBO, Netflix, all of that. And at at the same time, of course, uh, there, there there is this enormously uh, complex and, and really awful uh, situation in China. The whole world is embracing China and... Uh, Everyone wants to do business in China because the numbers are gigantic. And at the same time, uh, we know about this. And Weiwei is one out of uh, very likely millions of people. And so the, 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 the cause mm. is, is good. Mm. I mean, the cause is good. You look at, at, at a phenomena or a problem. But there is, there is problems with this too. Mm-hmm. And the problem I find is... Um, when it's so kind of embraced by ultimately very kind of uh, basic publicity and basic Mm. commercial issues, Mm. whether it is the magazines writing about it, Mm. the newspapers writing about Mm. it. Do you mean that that this kind of, um, these strategies of um, using, I don't know, maybe simplistic things in the debate would overshadow other writings or discussions that would deepen the cultural, like the things yeah. talked about. So it's, yeah. in, in a way, it's like one thing takes away the other because we also see, I mean, we talk about art and art get less and less letter space, mm. perhaps you could say. Mm. And then uh, when everything just becomes like this um, very PR savvy, PR company 
kind of led <laughs> yeah. discussions. If we look at this historically, artists have tried this over and over again for political reasons, for cultural reasons. I think back to Jeff Koons' movies. Jeff just wades into the commercialism mm-hmm. and says that's yeah. in part what all of this is about. And mm-hmm. he wants to get a whole, his hand on the steering wheel yeah. of commercialism mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. And Weiwei seems to be, or at least projects himself as being allergic to that sense of commercialism. And yet here we are again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's an example as hard as you try, and I certainly tried myself. It, it, the, the art market ultimately adapts itself to the commodity, whatever that is, whether it's Weiwei or Jeff Koons. And I find that more fascinating than anything any of the artists are doing is how adaptable uh, the art market is uh, to the present circumstances. Mm. But I also uh, like very much what you are talking about, Bella, which I actually, because I thought about this mm-hmm. a lot, because of course, what we did last year with presenting Weiwei in, in Stockholm and also doing a massive programming around it, which really tried to to kind of uh, look at the phenomena of the artists, the China and everything like that. And I never thought about it, of course, that the packaging now, it's not a one-liner, but it's not far from it, which of course makes that that a film festival, because it's totally constructed here in Stockholm. There's there's no news about Weiwei anywhere else around the globe. I mean, nothing has happened uh, except that he is in this horrible, horrible situation in China. But by packaging it so hard and you can actually entice the media. And today in the paper, there is Caroline Eriksson and she writes for the second largest daily newspaper here, Svenska Dagbladet. And I think it's a very uh, risky article and I think she's straight to the point. She talks about the fact that you use something Uh, of this publicity value to shine on something which is a a film festival among hundreds Mm. around the globe and at the same time realizing that the movie releases are very much directed by Cannes and other kind of commercial platforms and how do you create this media hype? Because the... Film festival opens today, but there's no film that is in 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 vicinity to the publicity in, in regard to 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 Weiwei. I mean, one could think that in one way, okay, if you're able to do a film festival with kind of what we would perhaps call narrow films or less uh, PR-driven films, then could, that could be kind of a positive thing. You're able to attract an audience to a festival showing not kind of um, blockbuster movies. So, in that way, it might uh, the means might uh, be kind of okay for if you get the goal of getting people to see film that is less PR. You and and and, and I agree Maybe. with you. And yeah. no, I mm. I agree with you Bella and I think that's that's the complexity yeah. of yeah. this whole. Mm. It is of course uh, ultimately uh, a, a, a strong manifestation to have uh, the management of the film festival standing outside the Chinese um embassy mm. uh, protesting mm. against something it, it is mm. i mean and yeah. that and that's but at the same time uh, if you start to sell those t-shirts which i don't know if they are at the film festival uh, what does it become <clears throat> i'd say that the conventional political model for art has been 
uh, you know, you make the costumes when we meet back here on Friday and have a little political play or something like that. And, and um, uh, But given the circumstances in China today, even if all this does is to prick somebody's conscience about what's actually going on and gives them just a moment of reflection mm-hmm. out of everything else that's going on in the day, I, I applaud that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think people are going to look at Weiwei's films and slap their foreheads and say, oh, God, right, oppression is a horrible thing. We need to mobilize on this. That's not going to happen. We know that. But I think given where China is in relationship to the geopolitical situation in the world, you know, it begins, it it can begin in incremental and, and small ways. And Sweden is a great place. I mean, Sweden has a brand to bring to bear against China. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing And here. IYY has a brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. seen the bags in the Venice Biennale last time. Two. Half Post, the part mm-hmm. of the Huffington Post, mm-hmm. they uh, listed 100 works of art that will define our age. And uh, I looked at it this morning and I wanted to discuss with you <laughs> the first... 10 of them. It's not name dropping, but I mean, <laughs> most of our people, listeners will, will surely uh, recognize uh, a lot of these names. All of these lists are, of course, mostly ridiculous, but there is nevertheless a, a certain... Yeah, it, l- yeah, it points to something. Uh, Absolutely. Uh-uh. Do you know who is number one? Me? Yes. <laughs> that depends on how if you read the paper upside down or not. But just being number 100 is not bad. Uh, mm, what could it no, be? Man? No. The number one is is uh, Matthew Barney and the Cremaster mm-hmm. films. Close mm-hmm. enough to me. Well, we, we have to talk about it. We are not talking about masterworks. We are or, talking or, about or, importance. Yeah, and yeah. defining yeah. our age. Mm-hmm. Well, you know... Uh, <sighs> I love to play this, um, and 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 a group, no one can win, right? And no one can win. But uh, a, a bunch of us used to play this all the time, and I've saved some of the votes. We would at dinner parties come up with a list of five or ten, and we didn't limit it to the twenty. I mean, no, we did limit it to the twentieth century, and um, uh, if you take those lists and compare them, just three to five years apart remarkable differences in the way in which people come in and go out of favor. But that's no different from what we see throughout the history of art. I mean, there are artists... Why wouldn't there be? That would be crazy if it wasn't. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, what we're seeing is what is extraordinarily interesting to me always is the first draft of history in this. And you're seeing what people right now are thinking with a certain kind of conscientious attitude towards what is going to survive into the into the future um and but do you think that they really that people are thinking about it is it is 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 it is it linked into a level of history or is it just kind of uh, here well, and now the the instagram generation maybe it's, it's, it's kind of commenting history with a big age no? yeah yeah i mean i was just about to say to sort of conclude mm-hmm. is it we got to uh, uh, take into account the context huffington post no mm-hmm. It is a, a popular version of here and now. Mm. I don't think there is a shred of historical consciousness built into that. <laughs> but that tells us something as well. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you can, I, can I just do one? Absolutely. If you, if you look, if you look at Paris, uh-huh. 
1870, as as modernism began to reach out its tentacles into a general uh, public, uh, the salons and, mm-hmm. and other things, we get the same thing. And yeah. you can go back to Paris dailies and get the same list mm-hmm. uh, 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. And and the, and the interesting thing is with that list is that the, the, the height of the fashion or the height yeah. of focus and interest Today, would we recognize the names? Some, mm. many, mm. absolutely not. Oh, mm. get a list of the salon winners for any 10-year period, and I'll bet you might recognize one. Mm. Mm. And no, I love I, that. I, yeah, I also love like getting hold of old kind of magazines of yeah. uh, cultural importance. <laughs> yeah. You see this, the newest, the most important. It's, it's I, I used to say to my <laughs> students, get a copy of Art Forum, from 1965 yeah. and circle every name you recognize just in the advertisements. <laughs> and that number would hover somewhere near zero. Mm. Um, and it was a great lesson for them. This is such an ephemeral business. And mm. The number two is, which I, which I was amazed because it must have risen, and, and that has to do with the impact of, of, of a Biennale or something, Christian Markley. Mm-hmm. The, 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 you know, the, the yeah. 24-hour, the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that that is popular taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Christian definitely. Marley is a very interesting artist. I'm not sure he's number two, okay. if, we, if we really have to rank him. But like here that. you have one of your buddies, Jeff Koons, yep. number three. No question. Shiri Neshat. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, yeah. yeah. Number okay, four. Okay, fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to put Christian Markley above Jeff Koons, at least in the here and now, I would say is extremely short-sighted. But it's a little yeah. bit Gundam style, isn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like, it is. no, and it's, it's, it's... It's own kind of way. Okay, okay. keep going, keep yeah. going. Now Shiri I'm Neshat, interested. you... you yeah, 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 I'm, okay. I'm game, yep. Cy Tombly. Uh-huh. Keep going. Uh-huh. I mean, a brilliant painter and an extraordinary oh, yeah. person. Sarah Lucas. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ernesto Neto. Mm-hmm. Ron stopped. Uh, Bella just says, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Ron hasn't said a word now. Does, does, does this have an author? Does this article have a name on it? Wait, 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 I'll get to that. Okay. Phone number. <laughs> then after that, uh, Pipilotti. Yeah. Pipilotti but, but, Risk. David's turning with pages. Sarah Lucas. Okay. You know, when you they've decided to represent her with a work from what year? Does it say? Mm, I don't. Doesn't say. But uh, I remember yeah, seeing two thousand. Okay. Two thousand. Oh. All right. Okay. Oh. Oh. Keep going. Okay. Uh, uh, Nan Golden. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the number ten is Ron Muck or Muick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know the mm-hmm. one that makes these? Uh, I mean, when you said Ron, my heart jumped. <laughs> That was very sweet. I love that. Really? Uh, Yeah. Get my gallery on the phone. Uh, Yeah. Well, okay, we'll see. You know, call me in 10 years. Mm. I think we'll be somewhere very, very different from right there. Mm. But we can all agree that in in something like this, in 10 years or 20 years or 30 Mm. years, there will be a handful of them and they will... They will remain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, and can I mention one other thing? I think at the end of the day, especially after we played this game mm-hmm. uh, that I mentioned, uh, uh, it said that list, and I think our game, says more about the people playing it than it says about the artists who are going to survive mm-hmm. into history. Um, mm-hmm. And all you need to do is look at Jansen's history of art to figure mm-hmm. that yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so, it's interesting. I think this list does... Uh, uh, like a good spread, it feels almost like one of each in a way. Yeah, like and, uh, I mean, it's like very kind of representing different genres and that's true. Different. So it's a very 
politically correct, perhaps? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Three. The last question of today has, of course, to do with what uh, the, the Germans have found out in Munich less than 48 hours ago. But and, and Ron and Bella made some kind of uh, motion in, in the studio here. Um, in, in, in one of these uh, historically significant cities, Munich, we have been told... Uh, only like 48 hours ago that the German authorities has for almost a two-year period discovered this massive group of art in someone's private residence. Mm. Uh, And the art comes from the 30s and during the war and it was all assembled and acquired for the Nazi regime, uh, purchased at different sales, uh, maybe even looted and so Mm. on. It's interesting, I have to say. The sheer quantity is is massive. You know, it's close to fourteen, fifteen hundred works, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is something that has been happening for 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 very many years. Actually, uh, a, a friend of mine, Milton Esterov, which was the founder of of a American periodical called Art News, was one of the first people that started to kind of investigate this in in the early nineteen eighties. And um, but it has made the headlines in the mm. Swedish papers. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many different things that I think about. One thing was that I read that he's the, the man that kind of um, had this kept yeah. it that he sold pieces now and then to get money, and this I thought was interesting. So he leaked kind of things, and then of course it's one other thing is that it's interesting that uh, some things were then considered not to be pure or like this but also important enough to keep so it's always this thing this mm-hmm. thing with quality and then of course it's, we're going to see new work that we haven't seen mm-hmm. so that's also an, from mm-hmm. a personal point of view that is completely Exciting. politically uh-huh. incorrect I'm just excited to see what's there uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah. but I mean it's I mean this is also a very serious business of course it's just uh... I, I have two, two observations one in Russia in Russia it happens all the time well, elaborate. Well, mm. I mean, uh, they're sending out a message loud and clear yeah, yeah, yeah. to modern artists, contemporary artists, you know, within their reach, um, that there are limits. And when you hit those limits, um, unfortunate things can happen to you and your family. Um, there was an extraordinary exhibition in Berlin, and I don't remember the name of it, of uh, uh, art that the Soviet government had um, uh, picked up. Um, and there, there were representative pieces there and um, and censored or otherwise made go away, just like the Nazis uh, mm-hmm. did. And that continues, and not just in, in Russia, but in different parts of the world. So that would be my first mm-hmm. flag to wave. And then, and I know this may sound cynically ironic. Actually, no, it is cynically ironic. Mm-hmm. The Nazis got it right. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. everything mm. that they decided to, not everything, but a, a large number of the things that they decided to censor uh, became extraordinarily, yeah, extraordinarily influential. Mm. So, well done, boys. You just got it backwards. Mm. Mm. And, and um, I, I would really, uh, I've read this, of uh, course, and I would really like to see not just a list, but I would like to see reproductions mm. of everything in there. Because I would mm. imagine that it's a very, it, it, it prosecutes a case for modernism mm. in, in a very exactly. strong and convincing way. And that's that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very soon there's a Swedish 
a writer that is publishing a, a book in Swedish about this. What I find staggering is that the amount of art which has not found its proper owner or location is between 100 and 200,000, mm. which means, of course, that, that what was looted, we haven't found anything. Yeah. Most mm. of it must, must yeah. still be Most out there. Most of it there. is yeah. hidden somewhere and kind of probably exactly. circulated also. Oh. I also think it will be very interesting to see I mean, the, the collection, of course. Yeah. I have The value is one thing, which is a staggering uh, 9 billion Swedish kroner. But, well, okay. no, sorry, sorry. No, I was going to also say, in terms of the art market and in terms of value systems in play, does a Franz Mark that might be a B-minus level Franz Mark uh, become even more valuable oh, yeah. uh, because it was a part of this collection? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's mm. what I think is interesting. Mm. I'd really like to watch mm. how this is played out in the market and how this mm. is played out. The, I mean, it would be great. My first thought <laughs> is it would be great if Sotheby's just picked up the whole lot and let's see what happens. Um, I think it would be an extraordinary yeah. piece of history. But, but yeah, it will never happen, yeah, yeah, of yeah, course, know, because now the legal process is yeah. No, yeah. Any thoughts why, why, why uh, Germany kept it secret for two years? Who in Germany wants to start that conversation again? Uh-huh. I think they took two... I, mean, I don't know. I don't I know what it was in the New York Times. But if I was Germany, I would say, fellas, ladies, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. sit on this and come up with a really good strategy on how we're going to unpack this so we don't walk mm-hmm. away with uh, mud splattered on mm-hmm. us again. Mm-hmm. And so I... W- would assume yeah. if you're talking about that kind of governmental bureaucracy, two years is a fairly short amount of time. I mean, the most interesting thing is why they didn't keep it secret for longer. I mean, why did they, um, they start it after two years? What was the kind of decisive factor? And then, of course, there are aspects where, as as you said, Bella, where some of these works have been sold mm. and, yeah. and they have clearly been sold through channels, which are mm. public channels, mm. auction houses and so on, but they, they must have mo- known more than they wanted to admit at the yeah. time of sales. And the very same thing, of course, happened at the outbreak of the Second World War. Exactly. Where yeah. works were being shuttled uh, to Paris and New York to be and, sold. And the very famous sale in, in Bern yeah. in, in yeah, Switzerland exactly. Exactly. when they deacquisitioned a lot of this called the de- degenerated art. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And one, one other thing, the very first thing that struck me when I read this New York Times article was recreating the scene in some German bureaucratic office in Berlin where somebody says, my God, if this goes to WikiLeaks, we've mm. got to control this thing. Mm. And then the question was, how are, gonna, yeah, <laughs> uh, how are we going to control this yeah. and, 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 and walk away in the best light? And, um, and of course, we, we will be able to get back to this in other programming because it, it of course, spills over to to everything that is has not uh, correct ownership. I mean, mm. we know uh, that a lot of this work uh, comes from families that had to, yeah. to, to be, they were deported or mm. they had to sell it for nothing and all of that. But we also know that a lot of our museums are filled, mm-hmm. filled with works of art that has actually been packed and, and, mm. and, and looted and, and, and just kind of removed from as part of a national heritage in different yep. countries. Yep. Yep. Dear friends, this was uh, three questions, three topics. I'm delighted that we are back in the swing and uh, we'll see each other 
very, very soon. Yeah. So Thanks, happy David. happy to be here again, Alan. Yeah. Oh.